A new phenomenon called the gospel of evolution is threatening churches. A former Baptist preacher joins us today to talk about his new book, Thank God for Evolution. And is there a culture shift? If so, how do we engage current issues with timeless truth? Dr. Al Mohler joins us to talk about it and his new book. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for man. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Martin Luther King said that the time is always right to do what is right. And I'm here in South Carolina because this is the right time to share with you to make sure that we know that I have the confidence and that Barack Obama can be, will be, and should be the next president of the United States. All right, that run-on sentence by John Kerry endorsing Barack Obama as the next president of the United States. Obama running behind Hillary Clinton according to the Real Clear Politics national polls right now. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but Bill Richardson had an important announcement today. It is with great pride, understanding, and acceptance that I am ending my campaign for President of the United States. All right, so Obama gets this big endorsement today, and Richardson is out. We're going to talk about presidential politics in a moment. In fact, we're going to ask one of the leading evangelical thinkers in America, what he thinks about Mike Huckabee, the Baptist minister who's running for president of the United States, former governor of Arkansas. Right now, also, he is leading the Real Clear Politics Average National Poll. Dr. R. Albert Moeller will be with us in just a moment. But later in the program, have you heard of this? The Gospel of evolution. Listen to this preacher, Michael Dowd. Faith is really about trust. It's, it's a, a heart-open stance to reality and trusting kind of the way that animals do. What I like to say is that for hundreds of thousands of years, human beings had the same intimacy with God, that is the intimacy with reality as a whole, as all other creatures have all the time. All right, this preacher, Michael Dowd, former Baptist, is saying, thank God for evolution. We're going to have a debate between Michael Dowd and one of our professors here at the Criswell College. Dr. Barry Creamer is with us, co-hosting the show today. That's coming up in just a few moments. But with us right now on the line, Dr. Al Mohler, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He has been called by Time Magazine, 
the reigning intellectual of the evangelical movement in the United States of America, Dr. Moeller. Welcome back to the program. Jerry, it's always good to be with you. Thank you. Dr. Moeller, you've just written a fascinating book. I see the title is called Culture Shift, Engaging Current Issues with Timeless Truth. Uh, Those two words, culture shift, what has been the culture shift, and uh, what do Christians need to do about it? Well, you know, the culture shift, Jerry, really points to the fact that there has been an enormous transformation in this society at the level of worldview, that uh, when people wake up in the morning, modern Americans, you might even call them hyper-modern Americans, when they wake up this morning, many of them wake up with fundamentally different assumptions than their own parents and grandparents would have had. And now we're at the stage where the worldview has shifted so much that the inherited Judeo-Christian worldview, the, the worldview largely established on Scripture that many of us have known in terms of morality, law, human dignity, and all the rest, uh, is, has been superseded in large parts of this society by a very secular worldview. So the culture is shifting all around us, and uh, we can see the debris, we can see the debates, and uh, we better enter in, into the discussion. I see one of the sections is about the abortion debate. Of course, we're coming up on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Could you just talk to us about the Sanctity of Human Life for a moment? Oh, absolutely. You know, the the whole idea of the Sanctity of Human Life doesn't come from an evolutionary understanding. There's, There's no basis for it, that. It doesn't come from any kind of naturalistic understanding. It only comes from the revealed truth that we are made in the image of God, that we are indeed creatures made by a Creator. And if you start from that assumption, then we would also have to understand that every single human life at every stage of development is uh, possessing full human dignity and is to be recognized as, uh, as being sacred, because, after all, we are made in God's image. It's not a testimony about how special we are, but how wonderful our Creator is who made us in His own image. And what we have seen over the last 200 years is a steady discounting of, uh, of human dignity, and we're now at the point, certainly with abortion, but not only that, with uh, the wanton destruction of human embryos and uh, now the creeping practice of euthanasia, we're just negotiating away that kind of human dignity. And, uh, well, the results are literally all around us. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Dr. Al Moeller. He's written a new book called Culture Shift. It's published by Multnomah. Dr. Moeller, uh, we're in an election cycle right now. People are thinking about church and state, God and country. Uh, how do we get that right again in America? You know, that is really difficult because, uh, you know, as we're called to be in the world but not of it, as we're called to be salt and light within this world, uh, we really have some challenges. After all, we're told that this world is not our home. So I have to start, Jerry, from the presumption that it's love of God and love of neighbor that should frame our understanding of these things. And we do everything, uh, we better do everything as Christians because we first love God and want to honor Him and glorify Him in all things, and then we understand that He has put us here in this world, and specifically He's put those of us who are Americans uh, in this country in order to have an impact, in order to exercise our love of neighbor. And so that means our political engagement's never merely about party, it's never merely about agenda or candidates, it's about how we exercise the stewardship of our vote in a way that will bring God greatest glory and uh, would do the best for, uh, for those who are our neighbors. Dr. Muller, some Christians might be surprised that there is a way to think Christianly about the challenge of terrorism. I see in this book you address uh, the truth about terrorism. Would you lay that on us for a minute? Well, absolutely. You know, as a matter of fact, an awful lot of Americans really don't want to believe in moral evil. They don't want to believe that human beings are sinners and uh, that evil comes from within us. They'd like to think that evil is something from without And yet, if you just replay in your mind the pictures of those airliners going into those towers in New York City, 
you're seeing people who are evil. Now, mm-hmm. th- that's not to say they never did a good thing. They, they may have patted dogs on the head, and they may have been good neighbors <laughs> and good sons up until that point. But the reality is something is being revealed to us in that, and it's the fact that every single human being is a sinner, and we better take moral evil seriously. We better be thankful that God has restrained moral evil so that we're not all doing that to each other all the time. And we better understand that the only answer to moral evil is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The guest is Dr. Al Mohler. He's written the book Culture Shift. Uh, He's host of the Al Mohler program. He's also president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, my seminary. Uh, Dr. Mohler, uh, I want to take a side note here to talk about politics. We uh, have just announced that Mike Huckabee is leading the national Real Clear Politics average. Uh, He is a former Baptist minister, of course, former governor of the state of Arkansas. A lot of Christians rallying to Governor Huckabee. And I want to ask you to give us an honest assessment. What are the strengths that Huckabee could bring? What are the weaknesses or the concerns you might have uh, without endorsing him or not endorsing him? Yes, and and I don't do that, uh, but we do have to look at this pretty carefully. I would say the strengths are, are pretty evident. You have a man that spent 11 years as governor of a state, and uh, you have someone that clearly has a lot of ability to articulate uh, and, and an ability to, uh, to mobilize people. That's very important in leadership. I think on the issues, uh, well, let me start from the hierarchy of my concerns. You talk about the sanctity of human life. Uh, so far as I know, uh, he has a stellar record in terms of defending the right of the unborn, uh, opposing embryonic stem cell research, uh, the destruction of human embryos and uh, euthanasia, and, and et cetera. Now, there are other things we always have to look at, even though those, that's one of the first issues I have to ask about and would be enough to disqualify any candidate sure. in my view. We also have to look at issues like economic platform, understanding of tax, education, and, and there we have to look to the record of Governor Huckabee in Arkansas, mm. and uh, the reality is that uh, he spent a lot of money as governor. <laughs> he, he seems to be the kind of person who believes that, governor, that uh, government is the answer to a lot of problems, uh, he has been a big supporter of public education. He has a lot of homeschoolers supporting him now, but uh, he's also had the in- endorsements of uh, groups, uh, at least in some places, like chapters of the National Education Association. That's so, strange for a Republican to get that endorsement. Well, it, it is, but he was considered a big friend of the public schools uh, there in, in Arkansas. And, you know, you have to take all this and try to look at it. You know, sure. the reality is that the record of Governor Huckabee as governor of Arkansas hasn't received a lot of national scrutiny, uh, scrutiny until now. But uh, as you would know, there are reporters crawling all over Little Rock, Arkansas right now. We're likely to hear a whole lot more over the next couple of weeks. Dr. Moeller, I want to shift gears again. Uh, The Southern Baptist Convention is the uh, largest assembly of uh, non-Catholic churches in America, 40,000 churches in America. Uh, Dr. Robert Jeffress here in Dallas has announced that he's planning to nominate you as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I want to say congratulations on that note. But I want to ask you, really, what does Southern Baptists need uh, in this generation? And if you are elected to that office, uh, what would be your vision for the Southern Baptist Convention? Jerry, I really appreciate the question and your encouragement there. I I would point out that we're not a hierarchical denomination, so the president of the Southern Baptist Convention isn't like a Baptist pope, and uh, some of your listeners probably need to know that. But it is an elected position with influence, and I would hope to use that influence to encourage Southern Baptists. And and let me just speak about some of the concerns. We've got a huge generational transition ongoing. We need to encourage younger pastors to be involved. We've got some real issues to discuss out there, everything from the emerging church to all kinds of doctrinal issues. 
uh, we as Southern Baptists need to be very, very clear uh, about what we understand our core doctrines to be. You know, after all, this denomination's been through a whole lot over the last 20 years. We had better not surrender any of that in terms of the inerrancy of Scripture and all the rest. And I think there's some hard issues for us to discuss. I'm not afraid of that. I, I don't think we have anything to be afraid of in the conversation. I think, uh, I think we need a president of the Southern Baptist Convention who will articulate some of these issues and help the denomination to think it through. And, uh, Jerry, I would hope to do that. I would hope to encourage Southern Baptists to have healthy churches, to be ever more faithful in missions and evangelism. But uh, as I know you well agree, and uh, by your own teaching and ministry there, that's based in the convictions that are absolutely non-negotiable, that we not only have to accept and believe, but need to hold up high and understand that's what drives evangelism and missions. Well, I can't endorse the next president of the United States, but right now I want to say that I endorse Al Mohler as the next president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, Al, I've got to ask you this. Uh, coming up, we've got Michael Dowd, who has um, written a book called Thank God for Evolution. I want you to listen to a sound bite from Michael Dowd. I'm going to ask you to respond to this. Any God that can be believed in or not believed in is precisely what I'm not talking about. Right? Do you get that? If, you, if, if what you think God means is something that can be believed or not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that's undeniably real. Whether you call it God or not is up to you. But reality exists. In fact, I love this next quote. This is from uh, Phil Dick. He says, Reality is that which, when you stop believing in it, doesn't go away. All right, that's Michael Dowd. He's coming up in a minute for a debate with Dr. Barry Kramer. But right now, Al Mohler is on the line. Dr. Mohler, you have one minute. Respond to Michael Dowd and his theme, Thank God for Evolution. You know, that's just amazing. I'm so glad you're doing this. Let's just think about what he just said there. You know, that, that uh, he doesn't want to talk about a God in which you can believe or not believe. Well, you know, the reality is he can't even be absolutely certain that he exists himself. He's taking that on faith. He closes his eyes at night. He's not even sure his brain's going to wake him up in the morning. I mean, the reality is that he can't even believe in himself, you know, uh, the, uh, constantly. And so I find that just nonsense. It's the kind of thing that makes for good rhetoric, and it certainly plays into the kind of naturalism that you find among these evolutionists who say, I, I can see the fossils. I can't see God. Well, guess what? You can't see your own soul. You can't see your own intelligence. You can't see your own ancestors. So, you know, Jerry, I'm thrilled you're going to be taking him on. I just, uh, I just look forward to hearing what takes place there. All right. Dr. Al Mohler, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Again, he's written this book, Culture Shift, Engaging Current Issues with Timeless Truth. You can find that on the Multnomah website. Also go to almohler.com great website. Dr. Moeller will have you on again soon. Thank you so much, Jerry, and God bless you. All right, coming up, the great debate, is evolution a good thing? Michael Dowd on the left says it is. Dr. Barry Creamer on the right says it isn't. We'll talk about it when we come back. Churches all over town. Christian radio and TV. God opens the windows of heaven to you. The Pledge of Allegiance. And in your pocket on a few coins, a declaration of trust. One nation under God. We should be looking for candidates who endorse us. January 29th, Criswell College presents a lecture series to explore if it's still true. One nation under God. Dr. Richard Land, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, will be speaking. It is our responsibility to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. You are invited. We've got so much to talk about. January 29th, 30th, and 31st at the Criswell College in Dallas. We'll 
still here if America's past is on track with America's future. One nation under God. Listen also for extra coverage from the CRN News Team. More of the music and ministry you can trust. This month from the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. The first chapter of Genesis and the 26th verse, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And the 27th verse, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. That's Dr. W.A. Criswell, the former pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, six years ago today. He went on to be with our Lord, and we honor his memory today. And he's reading a passage there that talks about the creation of Adam and Eve, the creation of humankind, created in God's image. Are we created in God's image, or are we evolved from animals? What difference does that make? With us to talk about it, Michael Dowd, he's written the book, The Gospel of Evolution. That's right, The Gospel of Evolution. Michael Dowd, says evolution is a good thing. At least I think that's what he's going to say in a minute. And we're going to talk to him. And with us to respond in uh, a moment, we'll have Dr. Barry Creamer, who teaches theology and ethics and philosophy here at Criswell College. But first, let me say to Michael Dowd, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jerry. Michael, I think most Christians, when they see um, the title of that book, they're going to react, they're going to recoil, the gospel evolution i got to tell you from the start, I don't think I'm going to agree with you, but I, I want to give you a chance here to lay it out to explain what you mean about the fact uh, that you see evolution as good news. Um, well, first of all, Jerry, my book is actually titled Thank God for Evolution. Thank God for Evolution, Thank all God right? Thank God for Evolution. Well, that's even uh, more provocative. <laughs> <laughs> And um, basically what I do is I try to show people, uh, both people within the Church, but especially people that are outside the realm of the Church, how evolution, that is the history of the universe, that, you know, 95, 97% of the scientists of the world would agree with, how that can be, story can be understood in a God-glorifying, Christ-edifying, Scripture-honoring way. That is how this whole history of the universe the history of cosmos, earth, life, and human history can be understood in a sacred, meaningful way, specifically God-glorifying, in a way also that inspires people to live more Christ-like lives. That's, that's really what my book is about. Okay, Michael. Now let me ask you a question here, just so that... Um, is there a difference and a distinction? Because, you know, old Carl Sagan said, the cosmos is all that ever was, is, or will be. He was a kind of a, a naturalist and an evolutionist that really was pushing scientism. Do you distinguish yourself in any way from that view? Oh, I surely do. 
Um, in fact, one, when I speak to conservative audiences, um, one of the things that I say is that until evolution is told in a way that, is, that, that touches, moves, and inspires people to live more Christ-centered lives, to live lives of devotion and care and compassion and integrity, they should continue to reject evolution. And most mainstream, most people have never been exposed to that kind of a way of thinking about evolution. Most people have only been exposed to a way of thinking about what they call evolution as a chance, meaningless, purposeless, mechanistic, godless, directionless process. And that's absolutely not what I'm talking about. Okay, folks, this is Jerry Johnson Live, and you've been listening to Michael Dowd. He's written a book, Thank God for Evolution. Uh, But actually, uh, is this the gospel of evolution? That's what we're talking about. Uh, Let me ask you one other question, Michael, before we bring in the other guest, and that is, um, you mentioned the 96-97% scientists. Certainly you're aware of what's been called uh, creation science and uh, young earth theory and so forth. Certainly you're aware of intelligent design and more recent developments that have to do with mathematical models and design models and statistical models. And then there are just many Christians who would say, wait a minute, the Bible seems pretty clear, forget the science, um, that God created man in his image. We didn't evolve from animals. Um so do you really believe that evolution is scientifically, factually true, and why? That's, a, that's an interesting question. It's not an easy one for me to answer, and, and here's why. Because, well, first of all, I don't talk so much about the gospel of evolution as I do mostly of the gospel according to evolution. And what I mean by that is, you know, you've got the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Luke, the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to John. And what that is is the good news, the saving good news, told from those four perspectives that honor Jesus as the risen Christ. What I attempt to do in my book, and only time will tell whether the Lord blesses it and whether it, in fact, uh, touches people's lives in the way that I hope to, but what I try to show in my book is that that same understanding of how our lives can be transformed, indeed the only way our lives can be transformed, uh, can also be told through a God-glorifying interpretation of evolution. And that's one of the reasons why I think there's a real hunger for this message, which is very different than the kind of standard uh, a meaningless interpretation of evolution that most people have been exposed to, but it's also very different from intelligent design and young earth creationism, which I respect. In fact, Connie and I, my wife and I, just visited the Creation uh, Museum, and we loved it. We thought they did an absolutely <laughs> fabulous job, and we told Ken Ham that. But ultimately, I, I think that this perspective, this evolution theology perspective, offers a very different third way. It offers a way of thinking about the history of the universe that actually validates what you first said, the way you began this program. I do believe that human beings were, in fact, created in the image of God. But I just don't see any conflict between that and a sacred God-glorifying interpretation of evolution. All right, folks, you're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. That's Michael Dowd. He's written the book, Thank God for Evolution. Michael, I want you to stay on the line. We're going to have some give and take here. Back and forth with me in the studio is Dr. Barry Creamer. He teaches theology, ethics, and philosophy here at Criswell College. Dr. Creamer, uh, your reaction so far to, to what you've heard? 
Oh, I'm uh, I'm not surprised by what I've heard, but I am uh, surprised at how much uh, personality and twist there is on it. Uh, I'd really like to be able to ask him a couple of questions to uh, clarify some of the things that he said, because I think they're misleading, just frankly. Well, react to what you've heard so far, though. Well, the idea that uh, evolution is directionless and meaningless is the whole nature of evolution as a naturalistic explanation for the universe. So uh, the things I'd want to know is, if you're going to try to define evolution as something that's not directionless, what direction does it go? And if it goes a direction that's anything less than uh, redemption spiritually in a supernatural natural way in the person of Jesus Christ, then uh, it's not what we talk about in terms of the gospel. And I I don't think that's what he's going to be. I think he's going to try to absorb as much of that vocabulary as possible, but absorbing the vocabulary is not the same as embracing the truth. Michael, I want to ask you this question, responding to Dr. Kramer, but I I want to add something into this. Um, Let's say a guy like Richard Dawkins, I mean, he is the leading proponent of uh, evolution today. Right. And he would he would laugh at you to say that there's some kind of spiritual reality to it or component in it. Uh, he would absolutely rule out. How can you accept the science of Dawkins, but not the philosophy, really, of Dawkins? How do you do that? The way that I do that, Jerry, is that I show that there is, in fact, a direction. In fact, it's an, it's an understanding of directionality that even Richard Dawkins agrees with. Um, and that is that the universe as a whole, again, I'm just speaking what the vast majority of scientists would agree with, not some of the details and specifics where there's a lot of debate, but just the broad uh, strokes where there's agreement, that the universe as a whole has gone from simple atoms to more complex atoms to molecules to more complex molecules to creatures to more complex creatures to societies and more complex societies. And the direction of evolution, the holy trajectory of evolution, what I call the sacred direction of evolution, what God's been up to for billions of years, is this greater complexity, greater interdependence, and greater cooperation and compassion at larger and wider scale. And yes, I do see that that fits very well with an understanding of Jesus as, as, as my Lord. Mm. Uh, Dr. Kramer, your reaction, your response? Well, I really want to ask a question here. Uh, Most of our audience probably won't know this term. I'll clarify it in just a moment. But just so we can be fair in our discussion, because I want to be fair with you. Uh, um, Is it Mr. Dowd? Is that right? Uh, Mr. Dowd, Michael is fine. Michael, okay, Michael. I want to be fair with you. I'm not trying to uh, use rhetoric to obscure your views or anything, but I just want to understand where you're coming from. Would you consider yourself, do you know what I mean by a process theologian? Would you think of yourself that way? Not Not a process philosopher. Uh -uh. So do you believe that a God beyond nature created us? Us? I believe that beyond God nature, is infinitely beyond anything we can know, beyond think, nature, imagine. beyond nature, beyond anything that we can know, think, or imagine. Yes, can we? Can we? Can we know, think, and imagine all of nature? I, I, that would be arrogant. No, I would say absolutely not. Okay, so 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 far, what you've answered me leaves us in the realm where you could simply mean a God of nature that's beyond what we understand of nature. So far, I want to know if you believe God existed before the universe supernaturally and created the universe by His will. I would say absolutely, but here was a, here, here's the okay. interesting thing. Actually, let me, if I could, Barry, just I want to clarify, because I don't want to be pigeonholed in a way that's quite not, not quite accurate, and that is that a fundamental truth that God has revealed to us only in the last few hundred years, God could not have possibly revealed it, say, 2,000 years ago or even 500 years ago, because yes, uh... it took microscopes, telescopes, and computers 
for us to be in the place where God could even reveal it. And that is the, and, and nobody debates this. Even when I do programs among entirely non-evolutionary oriented people, young earth creationists, nobody debates this. Is that I, I doubt that either one of you would take issue to this, which is reality as a whole, as best we can tell through all our evidence, reality as a whole is nested in its creativity. That is, we, what we find are subatomic particles within atoms, within molecules, within cells, within organisms, within planets, within galaxies. In other words, all the way up and all the way down, every level actually expresses God's imminent creativity. All right, Michael, we got it. we're out of time. We're on a cold break here, hard break, and we'll come back in just a moment. I'm going to ask that question, uh, did we get life from non-life then? If it's all this uh, creativity is embedded, where did life spring from out of uh, non-life? And um, is evolution true, and is it good for us? Is it good for the culture, or is that philosophy a bad thing? We'll talk with Michael Dowd and Dr. Barry Creamer when we come back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. The facts of biology scorn evolution. It is an astounding thing that in the passing of time, men have come to accept the theory of evolution as being true, without scrutiny, without apology, without defense, it has come to be an accepted doctrine in the scholastic and academic and scientific and even ecclesiastical world. That's Dr. W.A. Criswell. He passed away six years ago. We thank God for his life and his ministry. This is Criswell College and KCBI, named after Dr. W.A. Criswell. You should go to the website, wacriswell.com, if you want to hear more of these messages. Great preaching and teaching. Dr. Criswell was talking about evolution, and he said it's an amazing thing that people accept this theory without scrutiny. And with us to talk about it is Michael Dowd. He has actually written a book, Thank God for Evolution, and Dr. Barry Creamer, who teaches theology and ethics here at Criswell College. Uh, Michael, I want to go back to you and ask you a question. Uh, really, in this segment, I want to talk about um, the theory of evolution and then sort of the results, you know, uh, of that theory, whether it's a good thing for us or not. You know, Dr. Criswell was talking about um evolution being so accepted and acceptable today. And I want to ask you, what if the science is wrong? You know, you said um, ancient man couldn't have understand this, understood this, or something like that. But, you know, we've had examples of, you know, Piltdown Man, Peking Man, Nebraska Man. These were all hoaxes. Just within the last 10 years, National Geographic put an Archaeoraptics on the cover from China. National Geographic! And they had to apologize in a tiny paragraph two or three months later. It was all a hoax. I want to ask you, uh, really, uh, do you believe evolution is still a theory? Or do you believe it is absolute confirmed fact? Actually, I believe both, Jerry, in this sense. Evolution, as with other scientific understandings, other scientific theories, is based on evidence. It's not One of the things that Dr. Criswell uh, mentioned was doctrine. 
there's a difference between what people believe based on authority or private revelation. And when I say private revelation, what I mean is an insight that comes to the psyche of one individual who then has to communicate to others, and others may or may not believe. You know, Moses goes to the top of the mountain, and God reveals something, but then others may or may not believe him, or the Apostle Paul is on the road to Damascus or whatever. And so when, when somebody tells me that something is true, and I accept it as true based on their revelation or the authority or a tradition that has been handed down for many, many, many generations, then that becomes a doctrinal uh, understanding of mine. However, what scientists, those scientists that hold to evolution, which is, again, way over 90%, it could be 95 to 98%, they do so on the basis of evidence, not on doctrine. It's not, it's not based on authority. And the, the, the one statement that I would take issue to in the quote that you began with, with Dr. Criswell, uh, was that it is scientists hold this very critically. There has been literally tens of thousands, maybe millions, of attempts to disprove evolution in the most rigorous ways over the course of the last uh, 150 years. And when I say evolution, again, I'm not meaning simply Darwinian biological evolution. I'm talking about how the Milky Way has been evolving. All right, Michael. How the solar system has been evolving and how and now humans have been evolving over the course of human history. And I think that's one of the reasons why you find the vast majority of scientists accept the basic evolutionary worldview. All right. We've got Dr. Barry Creamer here who is... Uh Holds the Ph.D. from the University of Texas at Arlington, has a degree from Baylor University as well. Dr. Creamer, um, you've taught at secular universities and at uh, colleges like the Criswell College. Uh, would yeah. you just for a moment here lay out the case, really, maybe two or three arguments that are really strong that would undermine the theory of evolution. I think it's important for people to hear the evidence. Sure. Well, I mean, we can under, we can undermine it directly. I mean, just dealing with examples like you were giving of the fact that uh, there's a difference between facts and data, that when you're reading data, you're, you're having to interpret it and apply to it some worldview that you hold, which is exactly what I think he's holding. He holds a worldview that embraces evolution. So in everything that he sees, he sees this proof that that's the reality and that's the way we ought to adopt things. But there are plenty of reasons for not agreeing with that. I mean, William Dembski and his intelligent design ideas. They're not just cosmologically historical about the Big Bang and what must have been present for that knife edge of reality to take place that brings about the universe as it is, but also about biological realities, that the complexity of biological reality, including DNA structures, argues against the nature of an unintelligent or an uncaused agent, uh, or I mean, no agent at all, an uncaused event that just uh, takes place as a, you know, as a result of this uh, well, universal causation. It's just false. Um, there are plenty of arguments like that out there, but I, I think the most serious issue is just uh, absorbing a position that says evolution must be true. It's it's the way things have to be, and then sticking with that worldview regardless of the implications it may have for our interpretation of the past and the future. That's the mistake, I think, that's present with it. Uh, Michael, you know, Dr. Creamer asked you a question a moment ago. Would you have a question for him as a, someone who believes in uh, literal creation, uh, are there any questions you would have, Michael Dowd, for Dr. Creamer? None come immediately. My All right. Mind. And the only, the only reason why is because I'm frankly not interested. I have no desire to convert Dr. Creamer or you or anybody <laughs> okay. else who's a, who's a young earth creationist. No, that, that's really the truth. Because what I'm trying to do is teach and preach mostly to people who have never been exposed. They don't accept the Bible as authoritative. They accept science as authoritative. So if I can show how, this, how science, the history of the universe, 
can bring them into a saving relationship, a transforming relationship with Christ, then I think that's very, very effective. All right. Well, let me ask Dr. Kramer then to respond to that, because I understand what you're saying. Dr. Kramer, how would you react to that? Well, I certainly believe in the book of nature. I have no problem with nature speaking to us in general terms about the fact that there is a God, that he's moral, that we failed him, that we ought to have higher expectations, things like that. But the idea that we could learn from nature, the idea of redemption, well, I, I just think, honestly, I think that we're dealing with um, uh, comments here that may not be consistent with what uh, Michael might be saying. And, and, and Michael, you can contest this. I, I want to hear what you'd say to this. I think it may not be consistent with what you're saying to your more liberal audiences when you're speaking at, you know, your typical venue, Unitarian and Unity Churches, uh, when you're doing that, because here's a, here's a quotation I have from you, if it's correct. We wouldn't let a first-century dentist fill our children's teeth, yet every day we let first-century theologians fill our children's mind. Now, that's a pretty harsh statement about a first-century theology that you talk freely about Jesus Christ being our Savior and bringing about our redemption. It doesn't make sense to me for you to make statements like this and then the statements that you're making on this radio station. Sure. I appreciate you raising that issue. Let me see if I can clarify when I'm talking about uh, you know, a statement like that, what I'm suggesting is that God loves us so deeply that God didn't stop communicating truth vital to human well-being and thriving 2,000 years ago, that God has been revealing very clearly, very carefully, um, and, and, and to the degree that we can have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. For example, there's in evolutionary brain science and evolutionary psychology, and this is the part of my book which, by the way, my entire book is available for free on my website precisely because we believe that this can transform people's lives. So that way they can just take a look at the thing. But when you say transform people's lives, our audience thinks a certain thing, and it's not the same thing you mean because the belief that evolutionary science is going to lead to some transformation in people is not the same as the belief that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sin and brings about a changed behavior that reflects his kingdom in this world. Those are different things. I'm not sure you'd disagree with me if you were to read that section of my book. You might. I, I would. Possibly would. I assure but, you but, I would. But, for example, in evolutionary science, in terms of evolutionary brain science and evolutionary psychology, talks about the fact now that we all have an unchosen nature. We all have inherited proclivities that we didn't choose that, that, that can cause us tremendous damage, and, and we can destroy our families and our relationships simply because these patterns did serve our ancient ancestors. And you're converting that language to original sin or something like that in theology, right? Well, what I'm doing is I'm showing how the original sin was genius, that somebody would have, that, 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 right. that was, it, it was so revealed and then communicated in a, in a, in a doctrinal way. But what you're actually doing is just taking Freud's language regarding the id and then converting it into a language that sounds more friendly to religion. That's what it sounds like. You know, I'm sorry, but I'm just not doing that. I'm not, I'm not. You think it's species-based and that it's originated in our biology. Well, hey, let's change gears, Michael. Uh, this is Jerry Johnson back again. And by the uh, way, we're talking to Michael Dowd. He's written the book, Thank God for Evolution, and Dr. Barry Kramer here from Criswell College. Michael, we've got to kind of wrap this up. I want to ask you a question about our culture, about society, about the idea of the good. Uh, you're saying that uh, there's something to be thankful for in evolution. I want to ask you... Um, evolution doesn't have a very good track record when it comes to human life. Uh, people like Margaret Sanger, founder of the eugenics movement, Adolf Hitler, and the, the Nazis wanted to create a super race. A lot of people, um, Marxism really roots uh, philosophically. Its roots go back to uh, evolutionary thinking. Uh, the Columbine shooters, one of them had on his shirt, um, 
natural selection. I mean, when he went in and shot the... If, uh, here's my question. If we teach children they are evolved from animals, uh, does it follow that they will be inclined to behave like animals? That's really my question. Do you think evolutionary theory is a dangerous thing for the culture? I think anything is dangerous in the minds of uh, human beings that seek to use that knowledge or use that perception for their own self-centered ends. So yes, I do think that anything, I mean, the the examples that you talked about are horrific. Uh, No question about it. I I wouldn't take issue to that at all. But that can be said for any worldview. One of the things that is, is it, for me, and I'll just speak for myself personally, one of the things that has made an enormous difference is that I had a born-again experience. I asked Jesus into my personal Lord and Savior, and yet for many years I still struggled with my sinful nature in a way that once I came to accept that God has been using evolutionary science to speak, to, to reaffirm gospel truths, I literally do not struggle with that any longer, and it's precisely because I've embraced an evolutionary understanding of the world. All right, Michael, we're out of time, and I'm sorry. Michael Dowd has written the book, Thank God for Evolution. Thanks for coming into the lion's den today. Maybe we'll have you back again. All right, bye-bye. When we come back, closing thoughts from Dr. Creamer, from myself. We'll also talk about peace in the Middle East. Is it possible? If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Not only possible, I believe it's going to happen, that there will be a, a signed peace treaty by the time I leave office. That's what I believe. All right, President Bush wants a signed peace treaty. He's in Israel. And uh, we need more than a treaty, though, Mr. President. We need real peace. As long as those terrorists are up there shooting down uh, into Israel, into Jerusalem, we're not going to have any peace. We need to be siding with Israel in this conflict. Um, I'm not neutral in the conflict between the fire department and the fire. Okay, we just heard a debate about evolution. Is it a good thing, and is there something Christian about evolution or evolutionary theory? And we were talking to Michael Dowd, who's written that book, Thank God for Evolution, but with us in the studio, Dr. Barry Creamer, who teaches here at Criswell College. Dr. Creamer, your closing thoughts really on Dowd's theory that evolution is a good thing 
and uh, can be combined uh, for Christian spirituality. It sounded like that to me. That's his theme. Right. And I've been exposed to a lot of material like this uh, in Templeton Foundation lectures and things like that. A lot of people trying to combine science and religion find that solution. He believes he's found the solution. He's found the end to the difference between science and religion. Uh, You know, what I was disappointed with in the discussion is that, not surprisingly, as a very postmodern take on things, and he avoids any specific claims because it would close the door to his audiences. And so he works really hard to blend in with the audiences that uh, he's yes. speaking to at that moment. He was using our vocabulary, uh, but not our dictionary. And, and man, I just really want to say to the people that are listening, you have to beware of that. You yes. have to be aware of how good some people are at using rhetoric for that very purpose. And, you know, he's a naturalist who embraces, and, and I know a lot of people who do this, he's a naturalist who embraces the meaningful language and experience of religion. But he believes it's only rooted in what he calls reality, which he means genetic and species and evolutionary and biological influence. That's what he thinks it's all about. And uh, he's just uh, misleading people when he says otherwise. He, he doesn't think those religious experiences aren't significant. They're the only thing that are significant to him, but they're not real. It's the biology and the evolution that's real. So that's the first problem I have with what he says. And the second is, and I'm going to use his own words here to say this, but Michael rejects a literal interpretation of the Scriptures, and we embrace it. These are his very words. The good news evolution offers is that the chaos and breakdown, that chaos and breakdown can catalyze major evolutionary advances. I find this fact far more inspiring than a literal interpretation of any one culture's creation myth. And that's what he means by our first century theology filling our children's minds when it shouldn't. He does not embrace a literal reading of the Bible at all, and he would not embrace those spiritual truths either, but he adopts the vocabulary so that what he's saying sounds more amenable to the Christians who are listening to him. Dr. Barry Creamer teaches theology and ethics here at Criswell College. Thank you for being with us today. I know you're teaching a logic course this semester at Criswell College. Dr. Creamer is teaching a modern world course where we talk about these kinds of ideas that are out there today. He's also teaching uh, ethics and moral philosophy. We talk about abortion, euthanasia, stem cell research. Dr. Creamer uh, will be teaching those courses in a week and a half. You can still go to criswell.edu on our website and... uh, Come on down here to Gaston and Haskell and see admissions officer. Get involved. We've got night classes. We've got day classes. Dr. Creamer, one of our top professors here at Criswell College. Well, this show is about the Christian worldview, and I want to kind of back up and break this down uh, really and lay it out for you. Uh, I think there are three key issues here, and the first one is the issue of revelation. When we started this show two years and one day ago on January 9th, we said, you know, not only is it the existence and reality of God, but that God speaks, that God has spoken through his living word, Jesus Christ, but also through the written word. And our friend Michael Dowd, who was on here, really doesn't buy that element of the Christian worldview. He said there's no way God could have revealed this uh, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Well, in fact, God did reveal how he made the world and how humans came to be. He did reveal it to Moses on top of that mountain or wherever else they were. (laughs) That is what we believe about revelation. God revealed the past to Moses and told him how Adam came to be and how Eve came to be. You either believe that or you don't. And I don't see, I mean, I'm glad he believes in Jesus. I'm glad he had an experience with Jesus, but he's not consistent. How can he believe what is in the New Testament if he doesn't believe what God has said in the Old Testament? And Jesus drew a logical connection between believing Moses and believing him. And so Mr. Dowd is not consistent there, and I think it's a dangerous inconsistency. Also, let me just say there is a great deal of evidence that undermines evolution. 
You've got this idea of life springing from non-life. No one has demonstrated how that happened by accident or chance over millions or billions of years. You've got sexual reproduction. All the models show that Darwinian evolution would favor asexual or non-sexual reproduction. But in fact, we see sexual reproduction is thriving and 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 is the the norm. And it, evolution just cannot explain that. But the complexity of life and DNA. I've mentioned that Francis Crick, the co-discoverer of DNA and the uh, double helix. He says the programming is so complicated, and he doesn't believe in the God of the Bible, but he believes that some extraterrestrial intelligence had to send it to Earth, directed panspermia, a wild theory. But someone sent it to Earth because there's no way it could have evolved here by chance. Now, that certainly undercuts this kind of naturalistic evolution. And you've got what's called the anthropic principle. The anthropic principle, the idea that it just seems like the whole universe... All the conditions are just right, and all the laws of physics just right for man, for humankind. seems like this world was made, this universe was made with one species in mind. And I want to tell you something. Go look in the mirror. The most complicated thing in the cosmos you're looking at in the mirror, and that's a human being. It's not some galaxy. It's not some other planet. You are the most complex thing in this universe. And that speaks to a God who has created us in His image. If you want to do further reading on this, you need to look at Bill Dembski's book, Darwin's Black Box. A lot of great evidence in that book, Darwin's Black Box. Or uh, that's actually Michael Behe's book, Michael Behe's Darwin Black Bo- Darwin's Black Box. Go to Bill Dembski. The Design Inference, and many other books. Cambridge University Press put that one out, The Design Inference. Or go over to Henry Morrison, the Institute for Creation Research. Some very good material there. Anti-evolution material and pro-creation material. Speaking for the Genesis Record, one of Henry Morris's great books, and The Flood. And um, he talked about a biblical view of science, so just tons of material, go to ICR, the Institute for Creation Research. And of course, go to WACriswell.com. I'm telling you, in 1957, Dr. Criswell preached an astounding series on creation and evolution, and there was all kinds of evidence in that message, and those messages still applying today. Well, the last thing I want to say, it's a very dangerous idea to tell people we evolved from animals we're not created in God's image. This is why Peter Singer ends up advocating euthanasia, infanticide, and sex with animals and so forth. It gets pretty wild once you say, we are not made in God's image. We've evolved from the animals. Van Hip will be on tomorrow to talk about peace in the Middle East. Will we get it? You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.